The Daily Rios, episode 446, Superblog Team-Up on Redemption. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter Rios. Welcome to the first round of the Superblog Team-Up for 2019. The Superblog Team-Up is the creation of Charlton Hero of the Superhero Satellite Blog, which you can find at charltonhero.wordpress.com. Now, it's a group of like-minded bloggers who come together multiple times a year to write about a singular topic on one designated day. This includes longtime participants, a few who are making their return for this particular topic, such as myself, and several new faces who are making their debut. And it's not just blogs, it's also podcasts, as clearly for this round I'm opting to go audio instead of a blog post, as I did with the two previous rounds that I participated in. So after you listen to this, please check the Daily Rios website for links to all of the other great blogs and podcasts who have answered the super blog team-up call to talk about the overall theme of redemption. Now for my entry, the notion of redemption, being saved from sin, error, or evil, struck a chord in my brain for the Marvel character of Thanos. You know, because he hasn't had that much chance in the spotlight these past few few years, right? Specifically, I thought of the 2004 Samaritan storyline by Keith Giffen, Ron Lim, and company from Thanos issues 7 through 12. Now, this six-issue story would be the early groundwork for the rejuvenation of the entire Marvel cosmic leading up to Annihilation, including a resurgence of the character Nova, the return of Star-Lord, a new group of Guardians of the Galaxy, and so much more. And it's this era era of Marvel Cosmic that gave us everything that would come after, especially all the way up to and including the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, had it not been for the likes of Andy Schmidt, Keith Giffen, Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, Bill Roseman, and a slew of artists and inkers and creators alike, there would be no Guardians of the Galaxy as we know them, no Drax, no Nova as we now know the character, no Thanos as we know him today. So as I said, the topic of redemption brings me back to where it started for me and for many others for the modern Marvel cosmic era, Thanos issues 7 through 12, but before I get angry emails for not mentioning the creator of Thanos, to be fair, I did also read Thanos issues 1 through 6 from 2004 by Jim Starlin, Al Milgram, and company, because you know me, I'm a completist when it comes to these things. So if I'm going to read the back six issues of that Thanos series, I really needed to read the first six issues as well. And although although those first six issues aren't as exciting for me as the final six, the creators of the Samaritan storyline were progressing what Starlin began in that initial story. In fact, it's from those first six issues that I get the dialogue that connects to our overall theme today of redemption. So in those first six issues, in the very first issue, Thanos is talking to Adam Warlock, and says to him, a question for you, warlock. Yes. Do you believe in redemption? Yes. And Thanos replies, so do I. 
So Jim Starlin got Thanos on this journey where he's going to make amends, or as Thanos puts it in his own words, I realized that external validation would never quiet the fires that rage within my soul. Only by coming to terms with my own personal demons might I ever achieve any type of inner tranquility. So he wants to do the right thing, and in those first six, issue, he, for six issues, he does. He makes amends with the Regellians after stuff that happened between them in earlier continuity, and along the way he encounters Galactus, a new force known as Hunger, and it's all very much Jim Starlin, and it's all very much comics that I felt like I've read before. They are very, they're, they're passable. I think upon rereading them this time, I was a little bit friendlier to them than I was when I initially read them. But we're not here to talk about those issues, because after those issues comes the Samaritan storyline, as I said, starting with Thanos number seven, a new creative team, a new location, new characters, a new pilgrimage, new concepts, new spins on older concepts, and as I said before, a new lease for Marvel Cosmic, which up to that point had pretty much been the Jim Starlin model for years. This new Marvel Cosmic, especially in these early stages, includes a Thanos without Adam Warlock, without Pip the Troll, without the Infinity Gems. It brings back Star-Lord, or as we see him, Peter Quill, Gladiator from the Shi'ar Empire, Screet from the old 90s lunatic comic, a new twist on the Beyonder, a new concept called the Omega Core, and all of the characters uh, within that group, the Kiln, the Crunch, the Badoon, and so, so many more. It's within these six issues where I think the character journey for Thanos is far more interesting than what we saw before. And quite frankly, I was growing tired of the Starlin version, so this particular version and this story would give other writers the opportunity to explore the character and explore the Marvel cosmic universe in a much different way, while not forgetting the roots, right? So no longer was Thanos chasing the Infinity Gems. There was no longer Infinity Gauntlet and Abyss and Crusade, although they may play a part here and there. Instead, the entirety of the Marvel Cosmic Universe was now ripe for Thanos, all through the lens of uh, this demigod wanting to make amends. And I think it is a much stronger journey of redemption that he takes. And it also allows the creators to mix and match some cosmic concepts that maybe never got this, the, the play that it got before, or in ways that were new and different. So if we jump into this, the issues 7 through 12, and I'm not going to do an issue-by-issue issue breakdown, but I just want to touch on some points because I think this is a series that if you are someone who uh, really enjoys the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, if you enjoy some of the Marvel cosmic stuff that's going on right now, such as the new Guardians of the Galaxy series, uh, I think you could go back to this and see where the, the seeds and the germs are all starting Yes, Marvel, Marvel's movie marathon and their their um, the way that their universe connects 
does harken back to Jim Starlin and the Infinity Gauntlet, but the Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova and a lot of those cosmic concepts were really made popular because of what was starting here in 2004. So while the Guardians of the Galaxy in the movies might be more modeled after Bendis's version, the stuff that came before Bendis's version is really what brought it to uh, a much larger readership and really helped to make the Guardians of the Galaxy and all everything that's connected to it just popular. So I felt like it was uh, this was a nice way to go back to the beginning to a time in Marvel Comics that I really enjoyed and was following for many, 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 many months. And as I said, it all started with this Thanos series. So the first four issues, Thanos finds himself in a new, new location called The Kiln, K-Y-L-N. And it's this series of, well, they're prisons and they are energy constructs. Um, and they are also a series of connected enormous spheres that are located against the galactic barrier known as the Crunch. And it's here that Thanos comes to because he feels here at the edge of the universe he can um, have a pilgrimage of sorts and, and you know meditate on his new purpose and on his new journey. But because this is also a prison, Thanos gets pretty much uh, roped into the politics that are going on in the kiln. And even though the book is called Thanos, and unlike the first six issues, in the back six issues, Thanos is, um, he's a, he's a main character. He's the, the main character, but he's not the one making the events happen. Uh, other people are bringing him into the story that we will read. So the first four issues are about how he discovers that on this on in one of these prisons there's a being named the maker and the maker as it turns out is actually the old beyonder but now in female form and now in mortal form so the other prisoners are worried that should the maker awaken she might go crazy and eliminate everybody in this part of the galaxy so they bring thanos into this mix because they feel like maybe he can do something about it. And the people that he meets along the way are people like Gladiator from the Imperial Guard, Peter Quill, known as once known as Star-Lord, but not the Star-Lord that we know from the movies. This is a Peter Quill that is no longer no longer wants to be called Star-Lord, and he has cybernetic enhancements uh, and attachments on his face and his eyes. And he's battle-worn and battle-weary, someone who is okay not being the adventurer. We also meet a Badoon. We meet the character of Screet, this little fairy with enormous power. And eventually there comes a confrontation between Thanos and uh, the Beyonder, the Maker. And then the final two issues introduces a new Galactus Herald that we have never heard of before, the first Herald of Galactus, known as the Fallen One. So all three of these beings, the Fallen One, the Maker, and Screet, were all held within one of these uh, kiln creatures. Really, they were designed only to hold one of these kind of alpha-level powered characters, but this one held three of them, 
which is probably why they were released. So now Thanos is doubly curious because he thought Silver Surfer was Galactus's first herald. But no, in fact, it's this being called the Fallen One. They also have a confrontation. It's a little bit rushed in the final issue. I think they probably ran out of issues and said, you know what, let's wrap it up quickly, but we know we're going to bring them back again, perhaps in a later Marvel Cosmic series. So all during this, Thanos is trying to, you know, find his new path. He's trying to find his new way, but he is Thanos, and he still manages to be Thanos, such as finding a scroll hiding away among the public and killing him or being interrupted on one of his meditations by a group of nosy rubberneckers trying to decide if it really is Thanos, and kills them as well. So he hasn't entirely turned over a new leaf. He is still Thanos, as I said. But somehow he comes across as far more interesting than those first six issues. In the first six issues, he was absolutely the main character. He was the one that was driving everything. He was pontificating in a way that would make Stan Lee's Silver Surfer proud. But in this one, he's more or less begrudgingly brought into the main story. He watches, he listens, he acts only when it's really appropriate. Obviously, he's trying to figure out how this adventure can best benefit himself. But along the way, he makes friends, he makes foes, and the underlying new sense of purpose is just incredibly refreshing to read. This is the Thanos we would get for at least another year or so. Eventually, he would return back to his roots, uh, to the point where now he is once again connected to Jim Starlin. But I think this story arc and this storyline that Jim Starlin started and that Keith Giffen and company finished uh, definitely went a long way to showing readers that the Marvel Cosmic didn't have to be this corner of their universe that was pushed to the side. This was something that exploded. Readers thought it was uh, a lot of fun. It was good. It was popular. Podcasts at the time, including my old podcast, CGS, we did quite a few episodes on. And as I said, we got some interesting concepts out of it. Now, one concept within the Omega Corps, which is like this police unit that I thought was interesting uh, as I reread this, uh, this story arc. There's a character named Cole, and he happens to be human. And Thanos says, huh, you know, it's kind of odd to come across uh, a human way out here uh, along the edge of uh, the universe. So we get some information about how Cole manages, managed to find his way all the way out here in space. And he says, I was abducted as a kid and abandoned to the pan-galactic foster care system by the people who abducted him. And I thought, oh, that's the new story arc, uh, the new origin story that Bendis gave to Star-Lord when he finally got his hands on Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, a a number of years later. And it's certainly the origin of Star-Lord from the movies. It did make me think, I, I wondered, huh, Since Peter Quill, at this time in 2004, was played more as an older character, someone that didn't want to be Star-Lord, I almost wondered if he was going to eventually meet Cole, train him, and Cole was supposed to be the new Star-Lord, but that didn't happen. 
By the end of issue 12, Thanos has brought the Fallen One under his own power, making him his herald. And with that, Thanos uh, has a means to try to dig into some other secrets of the universe, such as Black Matter. And it was a nice sort of hint that maybe we would move away from the Infinity Gems and onto something else. Now, after this series wrapped up, we would follow Thanos later into some other Marvel Cosmic series, but before that, we would get a Drax miniseries by Keith Giffen. So once again, the Drax that we know in the Marvel movies has a lot to do with what was going on at this time. Eventually, we would get the really incredible event called Annihilation, and then there was a sequel to that. We would get a whole bunch of miniseries uh, featuring Silver Surfer and Nova and other characters. We would get a no new Nova series, as I said, uh, a second Annihilation event, as I said, with some more miniseries of other characters, uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy ongoing series by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, this is the one that would have Star-Lord, it would have Groot and Rocket Raccoon, and eventually all of it would spin off into things like, um, let's see, War of the Kings, um, I want to say the Thanos Imperative, and all that later stuff. Uh, some of it I've read, some of it I haven't read, but it all goes back to this Thanos series, this 12-issue Thanos series, especially the last six issues. And this whole idea of Thanos, uh, brought on by Jim Starlin, wanting to find a little bit of redemption. So if it's something you haven't read, I do recommend it, because I think it's something that is worth reading. Uh, Marvel really was invested in it. They were willing to, to find new ideas for their Marvel cosmic characters. And as I said at the time, you know, almost 15 years earlier... Uh, this was new ground. This was new ground for a lot of readers and for a lot of new character uh, and for a lot of creators to be able to play within a sandbox that was controlled for the longest time by Jim Starlin. So, not only was it a character redemption, but I think it was a Marvel concept redemption as well. So, if you want to hear more about this topic of redemption from other members of the Superblog team up. As I said, go to the website where you will find links to people such as the Coffee and Comics podcast, taking a look at Green Lantern issue 100, Two Staple Gold blog on Just a Pilgrim, comic reviews by Walt on Shredder from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the superhero Satellite is taking a look at Negan from Walking Dead, the Comics Comics blog is looking at Cutter from ElfQuest, Eric at the Longbox Review is taking on Nightwing. Between the Pages blog is taking on The Secret Origin of Spider-Man. The Unspoken Decade is taking a look at What If Volume 2, Issues 46 and 47. Black, White, and Bronze is featuring The Redemption of Red Sonia. Chris is on Infinite Earths, The Pied Piper Reforms. The In My Not-So-Humble Opinion blog taking a look at the redemption of Orson Welles, The Other Side of the Wind. The Retroist, via Vic Sage, is doing the redemption of Magneto. The Source Material Comics podcast is taking a look at Penance, The Redemption of Speedball. And The Crap Box of Son of Cthulhu is doing Iron Man Alcoholic Part 1. 
So those are the members of the Superblog team up for this topic. Hopefully I didn't miss anybody. But again, check the links on the website, thedailyrios.com. This has been the Daily Rios Podcast, episode 446. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow me on Twitter at Peter J. Rios. Send me an email, peter at thedailyrios.com, or visit the website, thedailyrios.com, if you like what you heard. All right, that's it for today. Talk to you soon. Bye.